0: Can you please introduce yourself and tell
1: us why you're here? My name is Tim Dirk. The reason I'm here is I was the Spurs Coyote for over 21 years. And during that time, I became acquainted with and elevated the use of the T shirt cannon in the NBA. God damn, what a sentence!
0: What a sentence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But what's interesting is I can say I elevated the use of the T-shirt cannon. You see that I didn't actually say I invented it. Right. As you'll see, it's, I call it a group concept, a fraternity. But I was the originator of the Coyote mascot, and that I can say.
0: Got it. That's fantastic. Okay, so I have a bunch of questions. First, who was in this group of mascots that helped invent the T-shirt cannon?
1: good question because i like to mention the other guys please um there's a we'll call it a cast of furry creatures (laughs) but the prominent roles would be myself right um, the phoenix gorilla and rocky from denver right i won't mention their names uh, because we were anonymous at the time that we did it but not only did we Elevate the use of the. We called it the T-shirt cannon at that time. Uh, but we, since we are all performing, we kept attempting to one up each other with right. its use, and right. that actually led to its rapid improvement.
0: Right. Okay. So, um, who who came up with the idea of the T-shirt cannon, and how did the sort of the de- the the design of the of the T-shirt cannon come about?
1: Yep, and I guess that would lean a little towards me, because in the beginning of my career, uh, nowadays, for example, in the NBA, every second is scripted. I mean, down to ten seconds. Right. Back in the beginning, we call it the Wild Wild West um, (laughs) of the NBA. There were no script. We didn't have anything printed at any page at all during the game. So I would do between six and eight timeouts a game got it for the Spurs so at that point you become a MacGyver you just look around the room and you see right. there's a paint can right and there's a traffic cone oh, what can I do with a painted traffic cone I could put it on the rough head. I mean you just were a MacGyver you just kind of right, grab it. right. so the, uh, the t-shirt cannon at that time was really surgical tubing that uh, I got from a hospital And I rigged a little pocket in the middle of the tubing, so you pulled it back like a slingshot, right? And just let the t-shirt go that way, and it it went oh, almost thirty feet. It was just amazing. (laughs) I mean, so something had to be done better. So at some point, I went into a shop, talked to a person who was an actual engineer. So I told some engineer what I was after and he and I thought, okay, we can do this with CO2 gas and propulsion. And all of a sudden I had the first prototype of what we call the t-shirt cannon. But the problem was it had to have two large tanks on your back, like a scuba (laughs) diver on dry land. So with the tanks and the cast iron t-shirt cannon that i was using like <laughs> cast iron is the plumbing you have in your bathroom The that yeah. it weighed 90 pounds oh my god so in effect i was running around with a sony tv on my back at that so from that moment all the other gentlemen and myself it was just a um Real natural progression to get the gun lighter and lighter and lighter, right. and now oh man, they're two and a half pounds, amazing, and they shoot with more propulsion. Right, but so hold on,
0: Tim. It sounds like I know you don't want to be referred to as the inventor of the t-shirt cannon, but from what I just heard, it sounds like you were heavily responsible for the design of that initial t-shirt cannon that the Spurs Coyote used.
1: And then I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Myself, and then I'm going to throw the Denver Rocky Mountain Lion. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to throw it 50 Okay, I, I'll try to I'll, I'll walk it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you were the inventor of the Spurs
1: Coyote, though that mascot. Yes, uh, the Spurs wanted me to be either a cowboy or uh, an armadillo. And I said, I don't want to be disrespectful. I think the Dallas has the cowboy angle already covered. Right. And I think the only armadillo I've ever seen so far is belly up on the side of a highway. (laughs) And I said, I think they carry rabies. So give me a couple of weeks and I'll let me see what I can come up with. Amazing. And then the coyote idea was born out of that.
0: Were you working as a mascot before you worked for the Spurs?
1: Good question. Uh, the answer is no. I mean, I was acting and doing stunt commercials and then the Spurs went to their ad agency and said, we want to increase attendance. We, we need somebody who's really kind of crazy. And the ad agency guy said, oh, I don't know what the mascot's going to be, but I know who. Oh, and great. his name is Tim.
0: Amazing. Okay. Did the Coyote, did the Spurs Coyote have
1: a name? It didn't. And so I, uh, Bob Bass was the name of this general manager we had at the time when I first started. He's big, big name in sports, one of the nicest gentlemen ever. But as nice a person as he was, everybody would agree he was like the chiefest. He was Jack Benny (laughs) without dating yourself. You know, Uh, it was amazing. So he did, we didn't even want to spend any money or put any time on what we were going to call it. So he, it all just started the coyote. He didn't say my name for the first 10 years. He <laughs> would say, oh, you damn coyote. <laughs> we, we would say it with a smile on his face because he couldn't, he couldn't believe the Spurs were actually paying money to a guy to get in a furry suit. And walk Yeah. <laughs> So I, the name became as the Coyote, and then I entered, uh, named him Entertainus Carnivorous. <laughs> and so I auditioned for Bob Bass at uh, a gymnasium, and I was doing all sorts of ball handling and diff- walking on my hands and doing what skills I thought would be good for a mascot. And I looked over, and Bob was, I would say, looking at his phone. And I thought, oh, I need something. I'm right. dying here. And so I realized, oh, I remember I can shoot a free throw with my head. And so I went to the free throw line <laughs> and I took the ball, raised it above my head. And it's you can't just bounce it off your head because you're not going to get the 10 feet. Right. You have to actually take the ball and slam it right. on your head, but not on the top of your head, because then it's going to go high. It's got to be right on the forehead, right in the <laughs> crown, a little so probably on my third try or whatever, it, it wrangled around the rim and went in. I looked over at Bob, <laughs> and he was like, stop, stop. We don't need to see any more. And I it. got the job. And you would think it, you'd think it because I made the free throw off right. my head. And he was like, no, no, no. As soon as we saw that there was someone that was stupid enough to slam a ball over, <laughs> over and over. And obviously, you've practiced that.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What better choice could we have? <laughs> and so it was just another acting job to me. It was another stunt job, basically. Right. So I knew I, you know, I might do it. It's let's see, the first game, let's say, it was on a Thursday. I thought, well, I could do this probably till Saturday. Right. This might be a pretty good game. <laughs> and then that first game, then I did 992 games Unbelievable. consecutive first Unbelievable. games after that for 21 years.
0: You were on the Spurs for 21 years. Tim Duncan only played 19. Would you agree that you were and still are more important to San
1: Antonio than Timothy Duncan? I can say I've got five championship rings, same as the players. (laughs) (laughs) How,
0: How did you get the costume? How did you get the Coyote costume? How much did it cost?
1: Good question. And I did get the suit just about three out completed it three hours before the game. Amazing. Yeah, it was a local uh, costume shop called Starline Costume here in San Antonio. And it began, think of it as furry footy pajamas is <laughs> so basically funny. what it was. Right. And then, of course, uh, limited vision. It's right. just amazing. I bet. I saw out the coyote's mouth. So the coyote's eyes we're above that. So right. if I was looking at you, I would, Tim Dirk would actually look at your belt buckle. Got it. Because then you'd see the coyote's eyes. Got it. But I learned to just, if you look back in old footage, quit. you'll see all these quick glances up. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. just me seeing, trying to see Where what I really there. see. And then I guess <laughs> the rest.
0: So funny. Did you have a move? Like a patented move. You're like, the energy's a little low. We're getting beat. This, You know, Spurs aren't playing very well. I got to go to my patented Coyote move that's going to make the crowd go nuts. Did you have a patented move?
1: And in the beginning, I just saw a television commercial where someone was using chair detergent. And it was in the old... Nowadays, we have the Tide Pods. Yeah, but yeah, back yeah. then, <laughs> detergent was in a box. right? And they, I just was drawn to the cheer box. And I thought, oh. So I just went to the grocery store, bought a cheer box, put the word let's up above the word cheer. Right. And I would just sit low and then hold that box up for all it was worth. <laughs> and the crowd would go crazy. And I'd turn to the other side and wait, like, no, no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> and then I oh, So it wasn't that I was saying, let's cheer. It began a process where they knew what I was right. wanting from them, right. but they were, I was like, no, not yet, not right. yet. And someone would cheer when I hadn't held it up, and I'd look at them like, come on, Greg, right. come on down, Let's, right. it's go time. And so it, we began to play with each other, yeah. the crowd. I didn't entertain for the crowd, I entertained with the crowd. And amazing. so I ended up growing up with all these people over the 21 years and their kids that grew right, up. Right. So it was an amazing what kind of relationship. Uh, By the end of the 21 years, I didn't even need the Let's Cheer box. The other go-to one was the Spurs had on the court the Spurs logo. So I would jump ferociously on the S and yeah. they would yell S, P, U, R, S, Spurs, yeah. It was great. But then one night we just became so comfortable. And after 21 years, you not only want to entertain the people that you're, but you start to entertain yourself. Right? Right. <laughs> so I jumped on the letters backwards, um, S-R-U-P-S, and the fans would yell, Srups. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was just great. We had a great relationship
0: um tim what was the best part of being an nba mascot but you can't answer meeting young fans and taking pictures with them and making them happy like what's the
1: what's the next best part about being an nba mascot when i first began you weren't allowed to mess with the nba referees right they they just didn't (laughs) want to do it but i got started to develop a friendship with all the refs and i was (laughs) i was such a it was either smart or devious. I'll let you decide. I used a piece of white foam core that I would take back to the referees' dressing room for each game to have them sign, so I could have all the autographs of all the refs in the NBA. Got it. I did not care about having the autographs of the referees. I still have them downstairs. I don't even know what to do with. Them. I have it right today. Uh, but I knew it was a way for me to get to know the guys. Because right. while you're getting their autograph, yes. you're like, oh, I saw you last time. How is yeah. your wife, Sheila? Right. Right. And then all of a sudden we're exchanging Christmas cards and blah, blah, blah. Oh, so I developed a relationship so they, the refs all trusted me. Yeah. So I just told one guy, it was Dick Bavetta. Yes, of course. Uh, yep, just a sweet guy. I told him, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to come up with... Rocky had just come out back then. That's how old I was. And I said, I'm going to duke and spar in front of you with these gloves, and you just ignore me. And then I'm going to make the motion like, "Eh, forget about it. Just throw my hands at them. And I said, I want you to just stand over at the press table, put your hand behind your back. My assistant's going to slide a glove on your hand. And when I give you the forget about it, I want you to hit me as hard <laughs> as you possibly can. But I've got all this foam cheeks. The coyote is kind of chip monkey cheeks. Yeah. So I knew if Dick hit me, I would just throw myself yeah. three feet. It's just classic Dick Van Dyke comedy. Right. Yes. Well, I threw my arms at Dick. And then he reached back, and instead of a roundhouse punch, he gave me the straightest forward right jab jab right into the coyote's mouth, which is my eyes, the bridge of my nose specifically. And there's only a quarter inch of plastic right there. So he immediately broke my nose. He, he broke his finger. He broke his finger and there was blood all over the floor. And my assistant walked by cause and he didn't talk show anybody that he was talking to me and he just said, I'll get the trainer. <laughs> and I went back in the room and just stuffed toilet paper into my nostrils oh my and then gosh. taped it with white athletic tape, cause that was his Fancies we could get back then right. and from that day the press table core you know the guys that mm-hmm, do all the mm-hmm, stats on mm-hmm. the table they would duck and pretend like they were afraid of dick for the rest of the game <laughs> like he <laughs> and he got the nickname dick boom boom bavetta
0: <laughs> what a phenomenal and, nba story
1: <laughs> those kind of moments are fun too
0: Holy mackerel! What a great answer. What's conversely? I got to get back to this T-shirt candidate at some point, yeah. but I'm having so much fun talking to you. What's the worst part about being an NBA mascot?
1: Oh, it <laughs> didn't take me long for it was the heat, right? Uh, uh, you would lose. I would lose six pounds. You know, people exaggerate, like in golf, right, they right, right, they right. say they shot an eighty, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe on the front <laughs> nine or. <laughs> They were using their toe a little bit somewhere yeah, in yeah. The stand, right. somewhere. But I really would lose between a little over six pounds per night. Oh, my gosh. But if you do that on a night, that's what some wrestlers do. Right. Uh, what's that called? UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. It's a little dangerous what they right. do. It's like cutting weight. And, and they cut it right to the as much as they can, but right. they do that once. Can you imagine oh my gosh. losing, having your weight yo-yo Flux like that? Weight, yeah. Uh, think of it in the NBA terms, you could do it. You'd have to do that maybe eight times, nine times a month. Mm. That's just the games. Now we have the appearances too. I know one year I did 444 appearances. Unbelievable. Plus the ball games. So that's a tremendous fluctuation. Then you add that it's t- four hundred forty four appearances. Then you make that twenty one years. You know, you're all your thirties and forties. You're doing that. That is just not Amazing. healthy. Yeah,
0: I remember really one isn't. point I
1: weighed one twenty two, and I unbelievable. thought unbelievable. one twenty six. And I remembered I'd seen a jockey riding at our local racetrack who was 122 and i thought oh i'm almost light enough right now <laughs> to ride every <at> <laughs> <Right. laughs> time but amazing. you get it back you hydrate but at some point you get your inner rears and you can right. drink a gallon of water but you're only going to assimilate Take a quart right. in right. three hours right. so You've just got to be really careful. So,
0: so what drove you to keep the streak alive? What was it that made you perform at so many consecutive games without taking some time off?
1: Back when I told you about we developed a relationship with the fans, it was kind of like our we just had dinner on Wednesday nights. Right. And then you realize, oh, I've been eating with these same guys and playing cards for years and years. You don't want to let them down because right. they're it, it stopped. It was an acting gig, but it, it started being more an acting gig with a relationship. Involved right. In it. right. I was at 992 games Yeah. and I got to admit, I was starting to walk a little carefully gingerly around my apartment. Cause I didn't want to sprain my ankle. I, I, it was like, Don't talk to a guy who's pitching a no-hitter. I'm coming (laughs) up near 1,000 games. I don't want to do anything that's going to mess, cut my fingers while I'm cooking dinner or whatever. And in the year 2004, so I'd done Coyote from 83 to 2004, uh, I actually had a stroke. And that stroke stopped the streak at 992 games. Oh, my gosh. It's it's – just as you can imagine it just crushed me oh my gosh plus i lost my anonymity because my i was laying in the hospital bed no one knew what was happening yet and i'm so competitive i'm i'm paralyzed totally on my right oh, side Oh my gosh but i'm thinking you know what give me some water if i could put a crutch under this arm uh-huh. And, you know, I'm still thinking I got a chance. And then I look up from my hospital bed and my face is on every news channel. Oh, my God. And they're talking, and there are my anonymities gone that I fought for for 21 years. Uh. But all of a sudden, not having that streak, not reaching that streak, it became a perfect example of it doesn't matter who you are, if it's a streak or a job loss or a loss of a loved one everybody's got their streak right that oh, didn't quite get it and it's how you recover from that right. which really shows what you're made of amazing
0: amazing what a lovely thought did you i really appreciate you doing this you seem like a really special guy and thank you for your time did you ever have a coach or a player
1: like blow up at you and get mad oh uh yeah of course in the beginning, we didn't have any parameters. You could stand anywhere you wanted to. You could come out of the court anytime you wanted to. And at some point, I ended up on the court a little too early or a little too late. I can't remember what it was. And I couldn't see peripheral vision out of my right mouth <laughs> costume. Couldn't see to my right or my left. But all of a sudden, I, I felt a presence on my left-hand side. <laughs> and I just got walloped and I, I i of course took it and blew myself and it was charles barkley and the the crowd just started giving him we had a, a group called the baseline bombs at that time and they were just oh vicious so they gave charles the business so i saw charles after the game <laughs> and he was like you know a little bit like was that okay yeah you know, yeah I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah and, and <laughs> And so Charles actually said to me, you know what? Anytime you come in, we'll make an agreement. Anytime you come within three feet of me, I'm course, I'm going to hit you.
0: Oh, my God. Is that okay?
1: And, of course, as an entertainer, I'm like, it's gold, Jerry. So I would just walk out and look up, not knowing where I was walking, and get within – Three feet, of, and he would detect, but of course, I knew it was coming every right, right, time. Right, right. Uh. And the crowd would just crucify him. <laughs> and it, we did that probably for 12 years with him. Amazing. And it was all just a bit.
0: I love, that, I love that he pitched it. I love that he gets yes. entertainment and comedy and sports. Yeah. Oh, he's just perfect. What a great guy. He was guy. great. Yeah, with his idea, and,
1: and I was all for it. <laughs> I was really fortunate with the Spurs because you've got guys like Malik Rose, right? Uh, Avery Johnson, Sean Elliott, David Robinson, Tim Duncan. I mean, they're all – everybody thinks they're – good players, but man, these were guys you could just have lunch with George yeah, Kervin, yeah. Oh, uh, He and I God. still pal around all the time. Amazing. Amazing. He's a competitive shooter right now uh, with rifles and uh, targets. Is that true? And he's, he has really gotten good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That wasn't
0: amazing. I, oh my gosh. I want to talk to George Gervin about his, profession, his uh, professional shooting.
1: Yes, he's great. Amazing. He's a good golfer too. I ended up having to retire and he retired shortly before I did. And we both started playing golf. Mm -mm. But George didn't know that I was really competitive with my golf and I hit a ton of balls. So the first time he and I played, it was like, how do I politely beat him, but not make him feel too bad? (laughs) So we played a round of golf and he beat me by... 12 strokes. <laughs> was crazy. And I thought, okay, there's that gifted athlete. Right, right, Doesn't even have to try too hard. And so George left and the golf pro before I left the course said, wait, wait, come here. I want you to know George was on the driving range at this course from eight in the morning till eight in the evening, every night for six, the past six months. He had he had a bologna sandwich in a baggie that he kept on the driving range that he would eat at lunch so that he wouldn't have to stop.
0: Oh my god. And
1: he would hit balls with blood blisters on his hands.
0: Amazing. I mean
1: they are those athletes yeah that are gifted. Right. But there's they- also the ingredient of right. their like a heart of a lion, right? That work so George is the nicest guy in the world, but he would reach in and rip your heart out in a competition. If he could.
0: And, and <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure
1: know. I'd lose to him in ping pong. If I played him right now. Amazing. And the bologna sandwich
0: <laughs> is a detail that I really appreciate and love yeah. back to the t-shirt cannon. You farmed out the fabrication to someone. You said that, uh, what does a 90 pound t-shirt cannon in the nineties cost a guy like you?
1: Well, the first year, I made twenty five dollars a game. <laughs> my gosh! <laughs> but at that time, I was young, and 20, I was thinking twenty five dollars a game. That's almost four hundred. <laughs> month. I that's not my rent. Um, so the the pay that we were getting, the, the everything that we had, all our props in the in the beginning were just very minimal, right? So the, t- the gun that I made, oh, it couldn't have been more than $220. Amazing. Amazing. You know. Amazing. But I oh. had to rent the tanks each night that oh. had the CO2 part of it. Right. So you could hear me rolling these tanks <laughs> in my dressing room each night. And everybody knows that sound of yeah, those yeah, tanks yeah. that weigh, they must weigh 800 pounds. Oh know. my it gosh. Was, um, It was
0: funny. Tim, what was the reaction like the first time people saw you just absolutely tear gassing them with free (laughs) t-shirts?
1: I would sometimes, the very first nights that I shot the t-shirt cannon, we would give out up to eight (laughs) t-shirts a (laughs) game. And nowadays, I remember I talked to the Phoenix mascot just a while ago. They they give away 300 shirts a night. Amazing. And... In the beginning, I had eight. So not only did I shoot, I mean, was I responsible for helping start this T-shirt cannon, but I had developed by the end of a year, I had developed whole routines or shuffles that you do with 90 pounds on your back because I had to kill time between shots yeah. to make them seem really special, yeah. or you would just go out there and go boom, 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 and be done. <laughs> did,
0: did you ever tweak the design a little bit to open her up and see what she could do? You know what I mean? Oh. Like super up?
1: I, oh, I did baseball games, uh, minor league baseball games. I did a ton of them. And so we could just crank it all the could <laughs> because you did have a dial at that time. Right. I could stand on home plate. Shoot a t shirt that would go home run to left field into the, into the field. But at Spurs games, we for at first we'd shot them, but then quickly because the NBA is uh every your greatest strength is your greatest weakness, it's a franchise, right? It's very well regulated, right? Which is a good thing, yeah. Very well regulated, which is a bad thing if you're a comedian that wants right. to live on the edge. <laughs> they keep moving the edge closer. Yeah, 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 We couldn't shoot in the balcony anymore because the Chicago Bears field goal guy that grabbed the field caught the football on Monday Night Football. He jumped right. out of the stands. Yes. and caught the field goal. Right. As soon as he did that,
0: they were like, "Oh, it. So they didn't want
1: anybody to funny, right?" So for the next. It's like the Tylenol guy. He made it so that we have to open that wrapper before yeah, yeah, yeah. we can get it, right. That guy, he <laughs> he ruined it forever. That's why you can't have nice things. This field goal guy, he made it for the next ten years instead so of like, damn, we had funny. to be like, pop, 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 to shoot him on the lower level.
0: Amazing. What an amazing moment to affect your business. That's, yeah. I, I didn't remember when you first mentioned that. I didn't remember that. But I was like, "Is he, I was thinking to myself, is he talking about when the guy jumped to catch the, amazing. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, did you ever get caught without the head on? Did you, did a kid ever see you like back in the tunnel? You took your helmet, you took the, the head off for a second to get a drink of water. Did a kid see you and you had to kill the kid to get rid of the evidence? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Only three. You'll <laughs> like the story. I was really fastidious about having that not occur. Right. One thing, uh, particularly a head off to me was a no-no. But I also hated it when people put their hands up. Right. And itched. Right. Their face. I mean, you you don't. That just says human. You know, when you when you reach in there. So I was very careful about not itching, and there would be some tremendous itches at times, and you get real creative (laughs) with how you do it. But one time this actually happened. You can use this if it's too blue for your podcast. You can just edit it. I was doing an appearance, and as I was looking out the screen, which is right near my eyes, a bug, a roach, (laughs) crawled across the screen and there was sure enough there was a roach in my head on my head and so I was just by that time I was pretty seasoned so I just let it crawl but finally it crawled to the point where I I had trouble breathing it was just sitting there so I just grabbed it with my teeth chomped down on it and then spit it off into one side of the And I would not reach up. <laughs> oh, that's dedication. But God's on a
0: truth. What a story. <laughs> what a story. Uh, I've got a question. What do you think of Red Panda? Do you know Red Panda? The Yeah, with Jack Black. No, no. Oh, sorry. Pardon. Uh, Red Panda, the woman. The the. I think she's like a halftime. Oh, she yes. kicks the balls up on her head.
1: Yeah, what's the Jack Black movie? Oh, that's Kung Fu Panda. Oh, let's see. If I did 83 to 04, she and I, not only did we do, did I see her come do Spurs games for ages and ages, as a lot of people don't realize that I would do the Spurs home games. But while the Spurs were on the road, I couldn't go with them Mm. because you'd be the opposing mascot. But while the Spurs were on the road, I would go to other NBA cities and do their games as a guest mascot, kind of like San Diego Chickens. Switzerland mascot, just like the San Diego Chickens. And we also did the, back then it was called the Continental Basketball League, basically the minor leagues of basketball. They all had entertainment too. So with Red Panda, she would come in and entertain for the Spurs game, and then we'd she'd fly out. But I'd often fly to the same city where she was flying. Right. So there were some nights we we had, I didn't actually do it, but um, we could have had waffles together at the Waffle House <laughs> there in Rockford, <laughs> Illinois, or wherever it was. We just kind of traveled together like right. comedians doing their, right, touring, right,
0: yeah. their touring. Yeah,
1: they're touring. Yeah. That's that's a brush with greatness. She she's know?
0: amazing. She, I mean, the first time I saw her kick those bowls on her head, I couldn't I couldn't believe it.
1: Oh, it's just all I mean, the, it's just like the free throw off my yes. head. It's just that someone she had to at some point make it so she could do three bowls. Right. And she had to think, Okay, what about four? Yeah, 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 yeah. What about five? Right. What right. about you've got to be kidding me? Yeah. <laughs>
0: As an NBA fan for my entire life, you heighten the experience. You and your work heighten the experience. There are a ton of people in San Antonio who worship you and appreciate you, and I want you to know those people stretch across this country. Your work is appreciated. You you have added to this sport and my experience with it for years and years and years, uh, and we appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing this,
1: Tim. Oh, couldn't couldn't uh, just. Thanks. I'm just, you know, now by after talking, I'm just glad to have been a part of it. It was awesome.
0: You And that's the thing. You weren't just a part. You
1: elevated the game. You elevated
0: sports. And and we're acting like t-shirt cans just affected San Antonio or the NBA or the Western Conference it had spread across every sport forever and gave lots of people their new ideas. And it's, it's, again, it's like that seed that germinates and blossoms into this thing and creates all this brand new life. It's, it's really something that you've added to the craft and, and we appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you. Dad. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you.